You're listening to The Fully Occupied Show, presented by Occupier. Hey everyone, Matt from Occupier here. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to another episode of the Fully Occupied Podcast. If you enjoy the show, make sure you subscribe on your favorite listening platform or just shoot us a note at marketing at occupier.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on future guests, topics you'd like to hear about, ask us any questions you have, or just say hi. Enjoy the show. Hi, Maureen. Welcome to the Fully Occupied Show. How are you? Doing well, Matt. Um, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Why don't you give a little uh, intro uh, for our audience? Tell us about yourself and give us your uh, your brief background. You bet. Uh, so Maureen Waters, I'm a partner at Metaprop. Uh, my role at Metaprop is uh, I lead innovation services, um, which is basically taking care of uh, the innovation strategy and execution for uh, all of our strategic LP. Anything from um, kind of building out a, a, an innovation ecosystem to deal pipeline and and connection, you know, making the connection between the industry leaders and partners with the startups, and so it's um, it's really the whole spectrum. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, from a career background, I joined Metaprop about a year ago after the sale of a business that I ran called Ten X Online Trading Platform by CoStar uh, over, a little over a year ago. Um, prior to that, I, I was in Seattle with uh, running real estate for Bill Gates Investment Arm and on the asset management side. And then um, prior to that at, in New York for most of my career on uh, working with Cushman and Wakefield, lots of different capacities, but um, a chief strategy officer most recently. And I generally was very engaged with occupiers on enterprise accounts. So um, occupier was very interesting to me because of the work that I'd done at CNW over the years. And then lastly, started my career in a, was acquired by CBRE. So that's, uh, that's me. Yeah, that's a pretty broad spectrum of, of experience on the user side, the investor side, the tech side. If you, if you think back about your time at Cushman, what were some of the kind of problems that you were trying to solve from a strategy and technology standpoint there? And do they still exist today? <laughs> uh, well, I haven't been there in a while, but I can tell you in general um, kind of where the, the overall industry stands. But, but from, a, from a strategy perspective, really, while I was at Cushman, it was really around, you know, part of it was around restructuring and transformation after the last downturn. And then and then building the company back for the for eventual sale, uh, you know, so building that strategic plan and helping position the company for, for the sale. And so really spending a lot of time in each of the, the specific business areas to develop strategy and, and execution plans. Cool. And I would imagine that being at that level at the company, you, you were intimately involved with like each service line. And I know Cushman among, you know, the other big ones offer transaction management advisory services, lease administration, facilities management, the whole gamut. How would you characterize like the 
if you had to stack rank each one of those areas within the services side of the industry, like who's the furthest behind in terms of tech adoption and innovation? You know, who who seems to be kind of on the cutting edge of of kind of bringing the industry forward? Uh, from a from a brokerage perspective, Matt. Yeah, okay. like, um, yeah, I mean, I guess we could zero in there. That's obviously kind of a leading question on my end, given <laughs> given the subject matter uh, uh, that we deal with at Occupier. So if you, if you talk about the brokerage world, you could kind of segment it out, at least in my experience, onto the, the corporate, the corporates, and then kind of, you know, the, the local, the broker, the tenant rep, or, you know, the, the team that's servicing individual tenants. Obviously, now you have this view within Metaprop you know, on behalf of your LPs, but also your portfolio companies, like where, where do you see kind of the challenges and opportunities facing that space? Well, yeah, I would say, so um, at one point in my life, my journey at Cushman and Wakefield, I actually ran a group called Client Solutions, Mm -hmm. um, which was the, the occupier business, the strategy advisory and execution on the, in transaction management around occupiers. And so, in, in kind of restructuring that business, I actually jumped in and led one of their top accounts at the time, and this has been many years ago, which was Thomson Reuters. And, you know, I, I would say, you know, at that time and still today, I think it's it's really about, you know, finding a, an integrated solution that can handle um, the leases and, and the transactions that, that happen. And, of course, all the data and and, you know, centralizing that along the way. And so while it was just starting uh, back when I was doing the restructuring, it's come a long way. Um, and, you know, we're starting to see today, you know, we're, especially since, co- you know, the last year, um, a, an acceleration of the adoption of, of technology and the need to, to really know more about, an you know, so, you know occupancy for tenant, but also tenants occupancy for potential landlord. Right. Yeah. So there's this kind of emerging kind of acceleration of transparency of data and organization of data on both the op- occupier and the landlord side that is, is bringing kind of thirst for information um, to the fore, which then can be utilized, you know, throughout the decision-making process, especially when you're talking about like transaction management. How do you, how do you think about what are the the key decisions for a tenant and how that data can help drive those decisions? Obviously at Occupier, we're kind of right on the front end of a a tenant rep brokerage team or a transaction advisor, you know, giving advice to a client. Like what are the things that you think are most important, like to have at the fingertips for, for a tenant? Yeah. I mean, I think that they need access, you know, to their leases, you know, in a dynamic way. Right. So they have specific questions that come up, they can, you know, jump into a lease and understand the, the terms, you know, in a summary format to have access to their leases, to have access to, you know, rents and, you know, when they're due or options when they come up. So all of those types of terms around the lease, but, you know, access to it, access to, you know, kind of where they're just basics, right? Like where are their leases? You know, when, when do they expire? Where are the, you know, where are they located? How should they be, preparing for, for, you know, those events, um, in, in advance rather than kind of waiting for some, for a lease to expire and then, you know, jumping on it at that point. Right. So just kind of having a more proactive approach towards portfolio decisions. 
in your in your in your kind of capacity today at Metaprop, where you're you know seeing kind of a multitude of of startups across the spectrum, and considering kind of this new normal after after COVID, how important are you weighing kind of the the occupancy planning kind of aspect of the corporate occupier, whether it's tracking utilization of space or maintaining you know the health protocols. I've seen kind of a you know, a, a late trend of companies that are trying to tackle those problems for, for the return to work is, do you think that's a long lasting kind of area of innovation in commercial real estate? I do. Absolutely. I, I think that, you know, it, it was an awakening of sorts for, for occupiers, for tenants, because they, you know, didn't have that, that data or that information at their fingertips when, when, you know, COVID mm-hmm. happened. So, you know, understanding, you know, kind of their, their offices or occupancies all over the world and, and, you know, how to manage it from a security, safety, health, and, you know, just basic employee, you know, engagement and interaction around it has, has been, has come to the forefront and, and I don't see it going away. I think that it will continue because as we move through the COVID, you know, kind of crisis, it, it has accelerated that adoption and and that need for having that data at the fing- at their fingertips and i think it's it's going to continue to be really critical information yeah i mean the technology in commercial real estate isn't like necessarily a new concept i mean there have been iwms platforms around since like the 80s and 90s like why is it so important now like what is the driving force is it what we just discussed like the need for data or is it just that there's more startups out there tackling these problems I think it's both, but I think most importantly that the driver has changed, right? So when, you know, if you looked back prior to COVID, you know, the driver was whether, you know, was whether the landlord felt it was important to provide or whether they thought they were going to lease more space by providing certain technology and or, you know, the brokers needed to needed the technology to to do more efficient job of or they could do more deals because they're using it the technology where today the tenant's driving it right so the tenant has the ultimate leverage right they're paying the rent they're they're the customer in this ecosystem and so i'd say that because the tenant is driving it it's gotten everyone's attention Right. Yeah. I don't know if you caught Michelle Killerin from Omer's Ventures article recently about, you know, I think it was kind of a, a, a catchy title, like what is the future of the commercial real estate broker? Are they still going to exist? And I think it was an overwhelming yes coming out of the article um, and any commentary that I've seen from it. But like, what are, what are your thoughts on how technology um, may or may not disrupt the role of the, of the broker? Yeah, I would say, you know, that it, it will dis- disrupt the role that the broker it has traditionally conducted because everything, you know, historically was manual um, and data wasn't so accessible to everyone. And so as data becomes more and more accessible, um, the broker's role will shift to more of, you know, kind of an advisor and strategically helping you know, provide insights and make, you know, helping their customers make decisions at a much different level than, you know, what they're used to doing, which was, was traditionally around data research, you know, educating the, the customer along that, you know, kind of, it, it did include kind of advising, but I would say that that process is going to flip to that customers already going to be educated because the data is in the market and and then you know come to the forefront and and provide the insights around 
that information as well as the advice advice and execution. Right. So the the tenant, like if we kind of break it down into a transaction life cycle at the front end is now more equipped to really look at market information, make some determinations about location or budget or you know, space without having to rely on the broker to shepherd them through like the finding of that information. And now the broker is in a position where, you know, they're much more on the grounds, either from an advisory role, whether it's a specific transaction or a particular landlord or a market uh, dynamic, it becomes a much more kind of consultative role. Do you think that has a implication for kind of the the business model of the broker? Is it always going to be a commission-based system or do you think long-term it kind of reverts to more of like a consultatory type of engagement? Yeah, I think it, you know, it's different by region, right? So Europe has kind of been moving in that direction for many years where U.S. is still very much commission-based. It it depends on kind of where you're located, but from a U.S. perspective, I would say that the, the I, I could see the commission model moving more towards a fee-based model, but I think it'll be many years before that happens because I, I do think that the there are just too many folks that, you know, that are it's just been embedded for so long. Right. So I don't, I don't think that that's an easy thing, an easy disruption that will occur. I think that'll occur over time and it'll take many years. Yeah, I agree. I think, especially because like the lion's share of transaction volume in in the U S is still small tenants. Right. And these companies aren't experts in anything to do with real estate until it becomes an issue for their business. So, you know, as long as, as long as there's a lot of deal flow, the brokers should be getting paid. Switching gears a little bit, talk a little bit about Metaprop and and kind of the evolution of the firm and how you guys sit from a differentiation standpoint in in the prop tech kind of VC world. Sure, sure. Um, You know, Metaprop uh, was founded in 2015. You know, when they first started was actually, you know, heavily in the accelerator business and had the the first accelerator and one of the top accelerators uh, around. And so it was even before PropTech was on the radar. Um, So so I'd say that, you know, it's pretty unique Metaprop in that regard because it started those PropTech was at its very roots. They, you know, over time um, have built and focused, you know, specifically on the early stage startups uh, and and helping, you know, build that business. And so really, you know, kind of through multiple investment funds for with both financial and strategic investors, you know, they have built a, a pretty nice uh, following of, you know, early stage startups with 100, almost 130, no, I think it is 131 plus today, uh, the largest portfolio of early stage startups in the VC world today. Cool. And what are the big themes right now? You know, obviously, full disclosure, you guys invested in our company. And I think one of the reasons why we felt so well aligned with you was your just deep knowledge of our space. It seemed that our even from our earliest conversations when we were just starting to talk that uh, you guys like kind of got it immediately which means to us that, you know, you know, the space cold, you are deep into each vertical. Like, where do you see the major themes that excite you guys? Uh, innovation themes or investment themes? Uh, I guess both. They kind of come hand in hand in some degree, right? Like if there's innovation, then there's going to be startups that are looking for capital. So 
where if you wanted to break them out, that would be awesome too. Um, well, I, I'll, I'll start with innovation because that's closest to my world. And then I'll talk a little bit about our, our investments because we, you know, don't invest in, in everything. Right. So I'll, I'll kind of talk a little bit about right. our, our sweet spot um, from an innovation perspective. 2021 has, you know, started with a bang on, you know, everything smart. So, you know, from, and, and again, we, we, we're across the entire value chain of, of real estate. So we're both residential and commercial. So reason I'm mentioning everything smart is, you know, it, it, it includes both residential, uh, including multifamily as well as commercial. Um, so, you know, it, it, there is a big push in, you know, driven by the need to consolidate and understand data. Right. And so, um, if that's number one, number two is kind of data, every, everything data and, you know, kind of whether it's behavioral data or sensor data or digital twins that need to help you understand, you know, operationally what's happening in your building or your portfolio. So it's really data and in and, and all the different areas that touch it, in which because if you think, you know, it's really kind of the, the, the infrastructure behind a lot of what's happening in innovation. Um, of course, the return to work tech is um, very big and, and very, you know, very big focus right now on everything touchless and security safety, which we talked about already, but but really making sure that the environment works for employees coming back to work. You know, since Biden has taken office and kind of pushed and brought climate to the you know, front stage, it's, we're, we're seeing a lot mm-hmm. on sustainability and carbon tech climate tech, you know, there's all kinds of new <laughs> terms. Um, essentially, you know, it goes, it's hand in, it goes hand in hand with smart tech, but it, it's basically everything sustainable and, you know, primarily driven by a big push in energy um, because that is one of the largest costs. I think it, there is a big focus on energy tech. And then lastly, and probably most importantly, um, is, is around the customer and user experience. So near and dear to your heart around, you know, kind of tenants, occupiers, and, and their experience and their world, and how do we ensure that that's a seamless, you know, experience and journey for them um, as they as they enter back into their, their offices. Right. So those are the areas of innovation. How do you guys um, look at the investment um, opportunities in each one of those segment, segments or across them? Um, so re- so return to work tech is is big for us. You know, we've got a lot of investments in in kind of the customer journey, whether it's, you know, Verge Sense or HQO and the customer experience or or others, I think that we're seeing a big push on the residential side, um, you know, really fueled by the volumes and kind of streamlining, whether it's financial or, you know, mortgage back, you know, more transactional. So it's, it's the, the residential piece continues to evolve um, a little more advanced than the commercial piece. Um, big push on A&E and construction, which is a big piece of our portfolio at Metaprop. So that would all world um, in in really kind of building out all of those, you know, what had traditionally been nice to haves around A&E and construction. That's now kind of a, uh, mm-hmm. a need to have in, in getting people on construction sites and completing a lot of the construction that's been underway during the last year. And so um, there's been a lot of construction tech that's been integrated and out there. And the last two pieces for us is um, kind of logistics and 
um, as you can imagine, with with the COVID has pushed that to the way to the forefront, and in the startups, you know, kind of focused in on e-commerce and the supply chain infrastructure. And then lastly, and there there are other areas as well. These are just kind of the primary themes. Um, would be senior housing. Yeah, that's interesting. It's a, kind of one of those areas that, from a real estate perspective, I'm sure there's you know a segment of the real estate industry that solely focuses on it and probably knows all the ins and outs of that industry. But it's kind of interesting how COVID has put a, such a microscope on it and probably uncovered so many areas of, of improvement in that uh, asset class. Not only the the real estate aspect of it, but just like the resident, you know, the end user, if you will. For sure. I mean, it. you think about all the advancements that that have been made around the home tech. And, and how much home tech that's out there. Mm. It just never, it was never really, you know, kind of in, integrated into the senior housing. So a lot of that's starting to happen now. That's really cool. Do you have a kind of a thesis around how all of these areas might start to integrate? Um, so if you think about all those different, you know, themes that you just laid out, and if you use like one of our like sample customers, you know, call it XYZ Corp that has 200 office locations around the world, you know, not only do they need to manage the data in their leases, like we, like we discussed earlier, but you know, they have people coming in and out, they have relationships with vendors, they have space to build out, you know, it, it runs the whole kind of start to finish process and ecosystem of occupying space. And there is just an innumerable number of point solutions that are being sold into these companies constantly. Like, how do you guys look at the broader ecosystem of like integration between some of these services. So for example, at Occupier, we might, you know, be your command center for your leasing and your transaction management, but there is a thirst to overlay demographic data, employee data, construction data, all sorts of things into our platform. Like, do you see that as a theme that is only going to accelerate Definitely. all of this? I, I think we're seeing it, especially in the smart building area where you have, you know, kind of the, first of all, data is driving all of it, right? So the, the need and thirst for the data is is really pushing all of this to the forefront. And so when you think about it, you know, kind of even for, for occupier, right, providing the lease data, the accounting, the, you know, the management of, of the transactions, I think that it's critical, more critical than ever for the, these occupiers, the tenants to, to have a centralized data, you know, kind of warehouse data lake that they can pull, you know, kind of consolidate. And so we're finding more and more of our LPs really focusing in on data and building out an architecture and in, a, in, in data lake around their data and looking at external data and how they integrate it and, you know, on the day-to-day. And then from a smart buildings perspective, from a port, a, an external perspective, a portfolio perspective, it, you're seeing more and more of it where, you know, many point solutions have been created over time. And of course, you know, like we're seeing 20, 200 plus deals a month, right? So it's a very active market. Wow. And, and so you can imagine, right, that with that many point, you know, let's say, 20%, you know, actually get, get out to go to market, you know, with that many point solutions in, in a market, it, it's super hard to, to, to make the integration. You know, I think that where it becomes critical is, you know, where you maybe have heard of these, the digital twins where, 
you know, we're, you're, you're mm-hmm. taking basically a digital replica of your building and, and looking to operate it differently. So, you know, it's a more predictive view of, of what's happening in your building. But the issue is, again, that, you know, there are so many great point solutions in that world of, of operating a building, whether it's in maintenance or property management or HVAC or, you know, you could security you could go on and on and on. They're going to be, you know, kind of standout startups in each of those categories. And, you know, of course, there'll be, you know, long, you know, kind of incumbents that have been around for many, many years, just like in your world, you know, the lease side. But the the new, you know, startups that are coming to the, that really at the forefront now that have streamlined all of those processes and really at a much lower cost are really bumping up against that, right? So how do you how do you make that integration happen and make it happen seamlessly? So you're starting to see some of the uh, I you know IoT or needs coming in to help make that integration or that overlay happen. But it's just starting to see it yeah. now. Yeah, I can kind of recall back to my days at VTS when VTS started catching fire on the ownership side and we started to see this emergence of like the chief data officer within mm-hmm. a real estate company, which was like to us was awesome because we were like, wow, they're actually dedicating somebody to tackle these big problems that we are solving here. I would be curious within your LP base, like, is that a common thing now? I would imagine it must be like every every company that is trying to figure this out must have the internal infrastructure and resources now to handle I would say we're getting there. Not quite there yet, but there is a focus on it, which is important. I would say it's it, it's complicated, right? Because you have the, the finance team who owns the finance data, and you have got the real estate team who owns the real estate data, and then there's kind of potentially even kind of a, a BI team that owns all the business intelligence, and, and then you're you try to integrate those three, and it's it's quite difficult. Um, and then add some external data that it, it makes it even harder. So I would say, yes, we're getting there. It, it has, it started probably a year ago with innovation heads. So we, we did see a big push for hiring of innovation mm-hmm. leads within a lot of the real estate companies. It's becoming more commonplace. And I think through those innovation leads, we'll, we'll start to see more on the, on the data side. Right. Yeah. So the door is starting to open a little bit with more of a focus on, okay, like how do we control our own innovation strategy here rather than let the market kind of goes. That's, that's important. If, if you look at like the big brokerage companies, you know, they have massive tech teams. They build in-house a lot of technologies. Most of them, you're seeing a lot of them kind of scoop up some of these co-working operators or flex office operators that kind of weren't able to necessarily get, make it through the pandemic. What do you think if you're sitting at, if you're looking at, if you're sitting in the seat of like the chief innovation officer of one of those companies, like what are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to be the most tech forward company out there? Are you trying to own all of your tech and your data? Or are you just focused 100% on your customer and like providing them the best experience? Or is it a yeah, little bit a little of all, bit of all the above? So all many of them are LPs for Metaprop. So I have to tread lightly here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but I would say that <laughs> in general, we're seeing a lot more anticipate, you know, kind of looking at the risks of, you know, where, you know, where this tech, you know, is going to be coming into their world and, you know, adopting it. And of course, to your point, you know, it's always build versus buy or, or, you know, potentially even just partner. And so I think that there's a, a variation of the three. 
um, that's happening out there really depending on the category. But in, in, in general, I think everyone is very focused in on, you know, kind of how to help position them themselves in, in the world that we're in, whether it's, you know, JLL with, with JLL Spark and then moving it to JLL Technologies to, you know, Cushman and Wakefield with their own kind of view of technology, which has been more on a partnership level. CBRE has kind of been, you know, in kind of all of the above, right, with their, their venture group, plus their, you know, they've got a very specific area of, you know, kind of focusing on incubation and as well as, as partnering. Mm-hmm. And and so I, I think, it, you know, they've all done, you know, pretty significant job of keeping their feet in, in all of the categories and kind of trying to assess risk as they, as, as best they can. Yeah, I find it really interesting because look at it from their perspective, there's there's almost kind of like two end users that they're trying to solve for, their customers and also their employees, their practitioners, because they're, they're brokers, they're property managers, facility managers. They all need to do a great job at, you know, at their work, which then translates into the customer. So it's almost like they have to solve these two problems at once, which is like, how do we make our employees the most effective? Is that in-house technology that we're building or point solutions that we could buy? And then like, how does that then cascade into you know, our revenue stream, which is our customers. And are we building technology for them? Are we enabling them with technology? It's almost like the problem will almost never be solved just because there's so many variables. But I just find it fascinating how you can't necessarily just be like, look, we're just going to build because then you're closing yourself off. Yeah, to like and so I think more now than ever, there are so many great startups. And I think everyone, it's especially been an awakening over the last year with COVID to see, all of the adoption and the acceleration of tech. And um, I do think that it's different today than it has been in the past uh, for that reason. And I, I think that, you know, from the standpoint of the, the broker, the brokers, well, I would say that that view of customer versus operation, you know, operational efficiencies is across the board. So even if you were to take an investor, um, you know, some of our LPs that are investors, they're looking at it the same way, right? Like they, they want to look at their portfolio and how to make it mo- more efficient and help, you know, build further partners and looking at things operationally, right? So how to improve their operations? How do they run the business better? What types of tools do they need? Yep. Yeah, it's a big market out there. And I, I know that, I mean, PropTech is obviously a, a legitimate category for, for innovation and investment now. And it seems like it's accelerated so quickly um, over the last 10 years, call it. But it is, uh, it's exciting to hear your perspective on all this, Maureen. And we're really happy that you're able to join us and, and share, uh, you share some of your learnings well, with us. We're really excited to, to have you as part of the Metaprop uh, team and, and uh, really looking forward to watching Occupier grow. I think that it's a, it's a perfect time to, to be out um, helping occupiers understand not only, you know, their, their, their office space, but how to manage their, their real estate. Um, so it's, it's great timing. Yep. Likewise, super pumped to be par- partnered with you guys and look forward to many, uh, many years working together. You bet. Thank you, Matt. I Thanks really, for joining us, Maureen. Uh, enjoyed it.